Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's episode, I sit down with New York Times number one best-selling author, Julie Murphy. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. And welcome back, everyone, to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I am your host, Zach Miko. One day I'm going to stop reminding you of that, but I like hearing my own name because, you know, I did theater growing up. Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. And I just want to say thank you guys so much. I got such an outpouring of love and advice and well wishes over Laura and I's upcoming child and my impending fatherhood. Thank you guys so much for writing in and telling me all about your experiences of fatherhood. And I am so excited to get started. I always wanted to be a dad. Um, I had a wonderful dad growing up. So because of that, I always wanted to be a father. And now we're doing it, guys. We're expanding our family. Got a baby girl coming this November who my wife won't let me name Goku. But, you know, it's okay. But, you know, it's 2019. I don't see why I can't have a boy's name, let alone a Saiyan's name. So (laughs) uh, I crack myself up. Um, And also... In case you guys didn't know, I want to let you know that I do have an advice column uh, called Big Questions with Zach Miko at Chubster.com, where every single week I answer your most sensitive, anonymous questions in the most truthful and in-depth way possible. It's been a lot of fun. We talk about everything from sex to uh, you know, body insecurities to how to handle when people tell you about losing weight to like being a virgin in your 30s to... Can fat people work out at gyms without feeling uncomfortable? We, we talk about everything, and we are getting some amazing questions. It's so hard to pick one every week because the questions are so wonderful. So if you guys want to submit your own questions, go on over to Chubster.com, and you'll see a submission form where you can anonymously submit your questions for a chance for me to answer it every week. So head on over to Chubster.com and submit your questions. Guys, we have such an amazing episode for you this week. I sit down with New York Times best-selling author Julie Murphy, everybody. You would know her from her books like Side Effects May Vary, uh, Ramona Blue, her upcoming book Dear Sweet Pea, Puddin', and of course, smash hit and now Netflix movie Dumplin'. Everybody, I... Oh, it was so cool to meet her. I, f- I became acquainted with Julie Murphy and her work through the movie Dumplin'. Um, and it's really like the body positive movie that we all needed. I remember submitting or submitting. I remember posting a whole post after I saw it about how my life would have been so different if I was able to see this as a teenager. It really is absolutely incredible. Starring... Danielle McDonald, Jennifer Aniston, and featuring a full original soundtrack by Dolly Parton. Guys, if you haven't seen Dumplin', go to Netflix now. If you haven't read the book, go buy the book right now. Uh, when I posted, I actually got, it, it was so cool, I um, 
both uh, Julie and her husband Ian reached out to me and like, oh, thank you for the post, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, by the way, we listen to your podcast. And I was like, get out. You do not listen. And they're like, no, no, no. We listen to it. We go on like drives to the lake and we listen to your podcast when we go. And we started chatting and we became good friends. And they're like, hey, we're going to be in town for BookCon at the Javits Center. Do you guys want to meet up? And I was like, I would love to meet up. Where Would you please be on my podcast? And Julie was like, absolutely. And it was just Guys, it was so amazing. I'm still reeling from it because I was very nervous to meet her. I respect her work so much, and her husband Ian is so amazing. But it was so chill. It was like old friends getting in a room and just chatting. And the coolest part about it is we're born in the same hospital we found out during this interview. It's it's so crazy. She is an absolute gem. Um, and I'm going to stop blabbing about it. We're just going to get to the podcast. Oh, the one thing I am uh, a little sad about is we actually did not get to talk. So Dumplin' Takes Place, it's a movie about a uh, plus-size girl who joins a pageant um, to not just spite her mother, but prove prove that she belongs and prove that she deserves to be who she wants to be. And it's so amazing. And she loves Dolly Parton and her aunt loved Dolly Parton. And she has a best friend who she's, it's, it's so, uh, guys, I'm not good at describing things, but it's amazing. Go watch Dumplin, go read Dumplin right now. But I'm really sad. I didn't get to talk to her about this one thing because, um, my, one of my favorite movies all time is drop dead gorgeous, which is about, pageants and I heard her mention it in another interview once and I was like god we could have gushed so much about it but instead you're gonna let us listen to us gush about Bridgeport Connecticut for a little while and yeah guys why am I giving all the secrets away ladies and gentlemen without further ado my interview with Julie Murphy gentlemen i am sitting here with new york times best-selling author julie murphy everybody hi everyone woo. Woo, 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 woo. it's always exciting bow, to bow, do bow. That. is that how you do that noise oh. bow, 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 something like go. that i don't know <laughs> does it does it get surreal when people say like new york times best-selling author yet uh yeah it's super <laughs> weird <laughs> super super bizarre i know it's it's i mean it's a lofty title it is it is it's the it's one of the fanciest things that'll ever happen to me in my entire life and i don't know that it'll ever happen again so i'll take it you can put it on my tombstone my obituary everything yeah oh yeah. no if i ever get a bestseller yeah, yeah. that'll i mean i have to write something yeah. first that'll right help. right so you've written um just for, so your your fame i guess uh-huh. we would say comes from uh the book dumplin Yes, yeah. Which is now a wonderful Netflix movie Indeed. starring Danielle McDonald and mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston and and lovely uh, drag queens. Drag and queens, soundtrack by Dolly Parton. It's all just, kinds of stuff. it's so cool and it's it was so weird. exciting, which is awesome because I think we got like hooked up with each other because I had posted about seeing the movie and yes. I was like, this is amazing. And then like you and your husband Ian like reached out and were just like, hey, we listen to your podcast. And I was like, get the fuck out no you don't <laughs> yeah, I was like, this we is, do that is so cool and we exciting. go on like night we're old people yeah. <laughs> and so we go on nighttime drives and go get ice cream and listen oh, to podcasts that sounds wonderful and like sit by the lake 
So yeah. yeah, you're you're part of our like lakeside listening. I love that. Hopefully, yeah. you know, it's not too boring <laughs> no, sometimes. It's good. It's good. <laughs> That's good. We like it. The ducks like it. <laughs> That's good. So where where are you living right now? You're in Texas, right? I now. live in Dallas, Fort Worth. I've lived in Texas now for the majority of my life, and I really love it. That's pretty crazy. I yeah. feel like if you live anywhere else in the United States and then like Texas is mentioned, I feel like mo- anywhere outside of Texas in yeah. the United States, there's this weird thing about Texas where we're like, they're kind of their own country. They do their thing. It's <laughs> like it's a like, very like mythical thing, I yeah. think, to some people. Ian went, my husband Ian went to the Ranger game. The Texas Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, not the Ranger game. Oh, the Yankees game. I'm in New York. Hell yeah. He went to the Yankees game and like someone heard him say something about Texas and immediately everyone was like, free popcorn for the man from Texas. <laughs> You're from Texas. What are you doing here? It's just people are baffled oh by God. Texas. It is. It's, it's like this. I think it's because the rest of the country were told that you guys might succeed every now and then. And we're yeah. just like, oh, OK, they might. Leave. They might. They just they could might leave. go do their own just, thing. Just, you know, like 40% of our economy might leave. I don't know. I know. We're a big chunk down there. You're no, a huge we chunk. could. I mean, I went to school for political science, and I can tell you that we would never succeed. Like, it's never going to happen. It's it just can't something happen. you like to threaten every it's now and then. It's just thing Texans like to, like, go out in their yard with, like, a rifle and be like, we're going to secede. <laughs> no one's going anywhere. Oh, my God. But you're originally from Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> I am originally from Beeport. Which is hilarious <laughs> because I'm originally from Bridgeport, which is so rare to which is like from Bridgeport. No, it's, I mean, Connecticut's, like, I feel like the weird stepchild of, yeah. like, the wealthy stepchild of like america it's like the it's like a polka dot like uh, the whole state is like just polka dots and yeah like the very few polka dotted parts are like the wealthy parts but those yeah. are the only parts that anyone outside of connecticut knows about exactly and they only know like that oprah lives there and they yeah. know whatever they saw in the gilmore girls yeah and then they don't realize and then people who come to bridgeport are sorely mistaken yeah. as to like what the world's they like don't, like we had our car stolen four times before the time I turned seven years old. Oh, yeah. So that's that's like my childhood in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I like have a like deep, soft spot for Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh, I, I love too. it. But Bridgeport, Connecticut. No, exactly. <laughs> have you seen um, Family Guy's um, joke on Bridgeport, Connecticut? <laughs> no. It is so good. There's a Christmas, one of the Christmas specials. They show up to uh they have like one of their cutaway mm-hmm. jokes is about bridgeport connecticut because because <laughs> he shows up to santa's factory and it's brian and stewie and they show up to santa's factory and it like is a smoke belching gross factory <laughs> and they and brian just goes this is the north pole it looks like bridgeport connecticut <laughs> oh my god and then they so cut true. away to some guy like writing a letter and uh-huh. he's like, dear family guy bastards, I'll have you know that Bridgeport, Connecticut is the capital of abandoned factories, <laughs> packs of stray dogs, and gas stations without pumps at them. <laughs> oh my like, God, it's so true. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> it I really think it's is. just like, it's like, in ways, it's sort of... Um, it's very Detroit-esque where, like, yeah. our grandparents tell us how great it was and how they used to go to, like, Sea Island and, you know. Yeah. Seesaw. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. they'd go to the, the fairs and stuff. And it's like, no, my whole life. Go to Captain's Cove. Like. I used to work at Captain's <gasps> Cove. It is one of my favorite places in the world. <laughs> I love it, too. And it's like, 
What I love about Captain's Cove is this one little strip of docks just pretends they're not in Bridgeport. <laughs> like they're I know. really diehard, so like cute. trying to be this cute yeah. little New England fair. They're like, you have some fried clams, and you want to go deep sea fishing. Yeah. And then when you get out of here, lock your car doors and yeah, keep going. It's like, going. oh, you want to go to Mystic? No, you don't want to go to Mystic. You want to go to Captain's Cove. Oh, I love it. I oh, love man. it so much. Um, Even when I'm like, because every time I do a signing in New York or something like that, I get a lot of people that come in from Connecticut. I'll be like, oh my God, you're from Connecticut. I like, I grew up in Bridgeport. They give me like this like blank gaze and they're like, oh. I feel like if you are from, um, if you're from like Bridgeport, New Haven, like Waterbury or like East Hartford and yeah. you talk to anyone else in Connecticut, they're always like, oh, yeah. how'd you get here? Like, are you okay? How'd you survive? And but, you're like, but you bond with those people who are from those totally. other towns. Yeah. I moved from like, well, I moved from, I lived in, I was born in Bridgeport at Park City Hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. I was also born at Park City Hospital. That is so Oh my weird. God. 1985. That, oh my God. I was, I was 89. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little, a little after you, but I think like. Park City Hospital closed like the it year after exist. I was born. Yeah, yeah. good we luck have, getting your medical records. There's three of us, and we were all born at different hospitals. We were all born in Bridgeport, and none of us, <laughs> and none of those hospitals exist anymore. Because <laughs> I was born at Park City. That's gone. My sister was born at Griffin Hospital. That's gone. And then um, my brother was born at Bridgeport Hospital, which is technically there, but is mm-hmm. now a Yale New Haven hospital. Yeah, that's not the same thing. I know. My mom worked (laughs) at Bridgeport Hospital like my whole life growing up. Oh my gosh. That's just like was Okay, I have to tell you this story. This is the most Bridgeport thing of all time. So, a few years ago, I found out that the doctor who, like my husband's in the room, he's about to fall out of his chair because it's the funniest (laughs) story in the world. The doctor who delivered me Uh wasn't a doctor. He was a veterinarian <laughs> posing as a doctor. Oh my god! And he was working at like you know in He's Bridgeport working at Park City Hospital, yeah. which and they no later rules. found out that like this man was a veterinarian who was like delivering babies for women all over Bridgeport. Oh my god! And he was a veterinarian. He's just like oh, I've worked on dogs and horses. It's not that different. It can't be that different. Oh no. my god! What was his name? I have no idea. I gotta ask my mom. I know. Like, are, do you know when he stopped practicing? Did he I, deliver? me it could be i gotta find out i will let you know that would be so exciting oh my god that's so crazy i can't believe we're born at the same hospital i know that's nuts (laughs) so we uh so but you lived there till you were seven right yeah Mm -hmm. okay and then y'all picked up and leaved and went to texas which picked up and left and moved to texas connecticut to texas is a massive it couldn't be more like of a culture change within the u.s going from connecticut to texas so we lived in bridgeport for most of my childhood and then for like a year before we moved to Connecticut, my family moved to Hamden. Okay. Which was like, it was fancy shit yeah, for us. Fancy for, like, yeah. We rented a house with an above ground pool and it was Hell like, yeah. what? Like, we suddenly, it was, it was the weirdest thing in my life. Yeah. So we moved there and my grandmother was like dead inside when we moved to Hamden. And so when we moved, we told her we were moving to Texas. Like, my parents had gathered the whole family in like the kitchen of like her like, three bedroom, one bathroom house in Connecticut or in Bridgeport. And she was like, first you take my family to Hamden. And that was so far. And I never saw them. (laughs) And now you take them to Texas. And she was like yelling and sobbing at my dad because we were moving to Texas. And it was, it was very traumatic for all of us. Just for anyone who's not uh, equipped, like, you know, 
up on their Connecticut geography. Which, Ham- rude. <laughs> I know, exactly. Hamden is, I don't know, 20 to 25 minutes <laughs> away from Bridgeport. It is not. That's like how far you drive to go to the grocery store in Texas. And that's the thing. So my wife's from Georgia, and the south, how far you have to drive anywhere in the south yeah. always weirds me out. I guess because everyone has land, and then... Connecticut, it's no one has. Sprawling. Yeah. Like I was born, I, I, you know, first half of my life I was in Bridgeport and then we moved to Stratford, which is literally the next town mm-hmm. over. But fancier. And, like, and, let's be real. Yeah, much fancier. Yeah. Much fancier. But also kind of like on the edge. I feel like I call Stratford as the transition period to the rest of Connecticut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kinda like, that makes it's kind of like an in between. Stratford mm-hmm. is very much like the generic suburban, like, Anytime you see a suburban town in a TV show, mm-hmm. it's just Stratford. Yeah. It's just like, we have a mayor. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they do. Although our new mayor, actually, I, I still keep up with local mm-hmm. politics. And the new mayor is um, the mother of like two girls I went to high school with. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, good it's for her. To, yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. And now we have a brewery, so that's good. Oh, yeah. You know you made it when you exactly. got a brewery. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's a cool town. Yeah. But there yeah. was nothing to do really growing oh up gosh. besides like play in your backyard and yeah. do stuff. And then once you get past, um, actually like those those three towns, like kind of Stratford, Milford, Orange, up to New Haven, mm-hmm. is kind of like transitioning. And yeah. then you're in like Gilmore Girls Land once right. you get past that. And yeah. everything's like very there's lobster fishermen yeah. and, and like yeah, yeah. And everyone My- has a fire pit and you're like but it, it's it's it, it's it's different. It's, yeah. Connecticut's weird. And also what people don't realize about Connecticut is we're such a small, small, I promise this whole interview is going to be we're, about It's not just about Connecticut, it's but cool. also it's, it's about Connecticut. Exactly. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't intend that way, yeah. but that's where we're going. Um, like, people don't realize in Connecticut we're so small, but no one talks to anybody else. No. I didn't everyone have, hates each other. I didn't have a single friend growing up with an 860 area code which is like <laughs> which is like the north part of Connecticut yeah. like Hartford area I was like I didn't know anybody no. if you weren't two towns away I had no idea who you were Oh, so, okay, my whole family, like, all my cousins moved to Trumbull, like, from yeah. Bridgeport. Like, that was, no like, their Trumbull. big step up, the bull. Um, and it was so goddamn fancy. And it's I, super fancy. I lived in, like, I lived with my grandparents. Like, we were, like, the, like, sort of, like, the, the late bloomers, my mom and, like, all of us kids. Or my mom and my sister. And we lived with them for much longer than we probably should yeah. have. So we lived in Bridgeport for a while, but they moved to Trumbull, and it was, like... Like they got new minivans. Like it was a whole life. It it's was... a huge change. Just that one zip code. Yeah. Because I remember, like you know, going to school. If you went to high school in Bridgeport, you you know went to a school that was like mostly minorities. And then if you went to school in Stratford, where I went to, we were like a healthy mix. We were mostly white, yeah. but we we're like 40, 35 to yeah. forty percent minority. So you still like. And then my friend who went to Trumbull High School uh, graduated with one black person in his class. Yeah. And it's just like That's a exactly huge what trouble change. Is. I know. The I lived on like an entirely Puerto Rican street growing up. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. When I grew up, again, and we're not going to talk all about Connecticut, right. but I didn't know. I thought all Spanish people, like Hispanic or Latino people, were Puerto Rican growing up. <laughs> oh, no. Because that's yeah. just, in, in the Bridgeport area, that is, there was like no Mexicans or anything else. It was just Puerto Everyone was Puerto Rican. Yeah. And I was yeah. convinced that just was Latino people. Yeah. <laughs> They're from the great nation of Puerto Rico, which exactly. is not a nation, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Um, but to give you perspective, yes, the move 
to Texas was crazy. We first moved to San Antonio, which is like South Texas. Okay. Much closer to like the border. Probably, I mean, not that close, but much closer to the border. And then as I got older, we moved to Dallas, Fort Worth. And just for like a little bit of perspective on how small Connecticut is, Dallas, Fort Worth, the the city that I live in basically is the size of Connecticut. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. it is insane. Like I can, we can, you know, we can cross Connecticut in an hour. Yeah, really. I know. <laughs> it's I know. Oh it's crazy. my god. So you guys moved there, and then you started. I'm assuming you went to school, as people do. <laughs> you went to a school. You went to a school. Yeah. I know you talked about um, not being the greatest student, like yeah. in school, which I was the same. I was a right. terrible student. Yeah. I um I don't know I my family was always really blue collar and so I just like the idea of going to college or doing like anything academic related like mm-hmm. I was kind of like yeah I'll probably work in retail for the rest of my life like this is my life this yeah. is probably what's ahead of me um so I I don't know I just felt like school was just something to get through and in a lot of ways it really was but I think a lot of it had to do with like you read the most boring shit in school. Absolutely. And it's awful. And I talked about this at the book event that I was at today, but like no one told me that like I could like you're gonna assign me Tale of Two Cities or whatever and I'm yeah. gonna hate it. But when I no one really told me that like when I wrote an essay about that, I could actually just talk about like, all the reasons why it was awful and it sucked and still like look at those things with a critical eye. Yeah. Um and I never realized that I could do that, like that I could like explain why I hated it and why it was awful, uh, and that could still count as work. Instead, yeah, exactly. I just didn't turn anything in, and oh. I was just a total flake. And I barely yeah. graduated high school. That was me. I think I graduated because the principal didn't want me there the following yeah. year, and yeah. I think that was the only reason I really graduated. Right? Yeah. Like they had, they just, they truly did not want me there again. Yeah. And, and I, feel, I, I feel like a lot of people graduate high school that way. I yeah. really do. I feel like. High school is like, yes, obviously there's people who are left back all the time and have trouble, but I feel like they really just kind of squirt you out and they're just like, just go, you're fine. Just keep going, please. My husband's a high school teacher and there are certain, like he'll talk to me about like, like certain counselors sound like desperate to like graduate kids. Like there are kids where they'll be like, you can't do anything about their grade. Like you can't do anything to make this better. And Ian's like, they literally haven't been to school for the last 45 days. I don't know what to do. So, yeah, I totally think so. And I mean, that's not, it's not those kids' fault. I mean, it is in a way, but it's also like. There's a lot of, yeah. a ton of issues yeah. that can go into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, So I went, I moved to Connecticut and I ended up going to, this is going to make me sound fancy. Please know that I am not fancy. Okay. Um, I went to really tiny private Christian schools, like okay, crazy Christian schools, like Christian schools is, that is Dallas or or no, you were in San Antonio yeah. this time. Is that considered part of the Bible Belt still? It's Texas is the Bible just Belt, Texas. like we, like <laughs> just all like in the Bible Belt, there is a Texas shaped buckle. I like bet. that's 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 a yeah. perfect way to describe. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's. I mean, that said, like the cities in Texas are very liberal leaning. Total, but I mean, Austin is like yeah. a hipster mecca, right? And Houston is like huge and diverse and Dallas Fort Worth is I feel huge like and that's too. a lot of southern cities yeah like like, like my Atlanta is Atlanta's like the so coolest. diverse so liberal and then the, yeah it's so liberal and so cool and then yeah. the second you leave you're like in Georgia Stone Mountain Georgia where there are three confederate generals carved into the side of a mountain is on the border of that's Atlanta like wild. as soon as you leave Atlanta proper they're like here it is yeah oh you're my back gosh. welcome to Georgia yeah 
That's awful. It's really rough. Yeah. And there's like a <laughs> there's like a terrible laser light show they do yeah. that like makes them the horses gallop. It's a it's the South spend, is an interesting place. I spend place. so much time in like the larger cities in the South that it's so easy to forget that places like that in the South still exist, especially yeah. because in Texas, it's a different kind of culture. Like there's not as much like Confederate type pride. Um, I mean, definitely like Texas was like culpable yeah. and like problematic during like slavery and the civil war and all those things. But there's not as much of like, like battle reenactment that you see in like no. the Virginias or like things like that. It's yeah. just like, it's, it's that type of culture is still present just in a totally I feel different like, way. Well, I feel like whereas a lot of states down south, like, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia, you know, the Carolinas, all that, they're very much the south, and Texas is still Texas. Yeah. Like, whereas you see Confederate totally flags it. all over like the southern region yeah you see lone star flags as soon as you cross into texas that's exactly right yeah they're like no they just want to be texas yeah yeah and too like i mean it's just like it texas is so wildly diverse like when i the first school i went to when we moved to san antonio i was the only white kid at our school Uh it was a primarily mexican school and so like i remember the first year i was there we all got called into the cafeteria and they were like uh, we have something to tell you all. It's th- there's been a tragedy, and we've called your parents, and everyone's going home. But we just need you to remain calm, and if you need to talk to anyone, we're here. Um, but Selena has been murdered. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I love Selena. I know. Selena, I, know I love Selena so much. I was. I was. As, you're saying that, and I'm like, this is the 9/11 story. I know. This it's is not the 9/11 story. No, it's Selena. <laughs> Um, and oh I, my God, I know, I know, I know. It was like, I remember like turning to all like my, all the people in my class being like, is, is this someone's cousin? Like who is Selena? Does she go here? Like what is going on? My mom picked me up. She was like, a girl in your class was murdered. And I was like, no, it's some, some woman named Selena. And like now, like, of course, like yeah, I, I no. idolize Selena. I'm obsessed with Selena. Like the movie was filmed in Texas. I was yeah, an yeah, extra yeah. in like one of the concert scenes. That's like, so cool. It's amazing. And like, I, I like post, like postmortemly, like came up, became obsessed with Selena. Yeah. Um, but it was just such a different life than the life I led in Connecticut. And it's very, very yeah. different. I really thought that was the 9-11 story. I know. Because I'm just you like, I have this I story too. This was me in math class. Yeah, and me like, in math class. <laughs> oh, oh man. yeah, Selena. Yeah, I love her. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. It was just, it's just, so yeah, like you have, like you have that kind of like South where it's like scary racism and awful things, but also like, I mean, I think that like most of our friends are not white and like yeah. we're just it's just wildly diverse no so. yeah it, it's yeah. I mean the south in general is wildly diverse it's just what we see on TV yeah but it's also uh, I don't know it's a little true too it's like yeah. this weird kind of no, combination I mean, it, like, of like truth and stereotypes not. come from some sort of truth yeah. so it's there it's definitely truth it's just you know it's like the history of truth <laughs> no exactly yeah. So you're, you know, in Texas, you're yeah. doing your thing. And when you graduated, so, you, you know, you like me, you weren't the best yeah. student growing up and whatnot. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to assume being an author wasn't in the cards no, for you. No. And I heard you say one time that you wanted to be a chiropractor. Yeah. Uh, growing <laughs> up, I did. I wanted to be a chiropractor. We got in a car accident, actually, in Connecticut. Oh my God. And we got to go to the chiropractor every week. 
And it was like, I don't know if he was cute or like what the deal was, but I was like, I want to pop back. <laughs> like, I want to do that. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I wanted to be a chiropractor or I wanted to be like the next Rocky Balboa. Were you asked to crack people's back growing up? No, but I'm I was not, always super. Well, I mean, yes, my sister would have me like walk yeah, on her yeah, back yeah. and stuff like that, but I was always like the tallest, like no. fattest kid. So like I could lift small women. And so I would always like hug women and they would be like, put me down. And one time I, this is so embarrassing i lifted up my chiropractor like i was like i'm gonna crack your back now and i actually injured him oh my so God. we stopped going to that chiropractor oh, <laughs> i know it was just like chubby julie just had so much love to that's give. what that was it was the same with me yeah. it was the same i learned how to crack people's backs and stuff because yeah i was the biggest and the yeah. tallest and they were just like you'll be able to do this yeah, yeah. you can surely lift me up I know. <laughs> and you're like i mean i can but, but okay uh, okay I'll do fine it. <laughs> but then you that's weird especially growing up big you kind of you fall into these like mm -hmm. weird worlds you know how many people I had to like help move stuff and yeah. whatnot where I was just like why am I the person and I I'm know. like oh, cuz you're so big and I'm like yeah but I I'm still 15 and I don't want to be doing this. My <laughs> husband Ian, like, not only was like, is he a big guy and like he was even bigger when he was younger, but like he had a truck too. Oh, so it was like the double you whammy. Had to move everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No, it's weird growing up being like the bigger person because yeah. you're kind of relegated to all these weird like tasks and mm -hmm. stuff. I'm also. It could have been different because I was a boy. Um, anytime someone got in an art, I was always also expected to like. If there looked like there was going to be a fight, <laughs> right. they'd be like, Zach, come with us. And I'm just like, I know. I mean, I took karate when I was six, but like, <laughs> but like, I don't really remember it. Right. I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to do. Yeah. I had a panic attack at my freshman football tryouts and then didn't do it. So like, right. I'm not the toughest dude in no. the world. I just happen to be the biggest one here. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, hilarious. man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like after high school, I... I mean, an awful thing actually happened when I graduated high school. And my parents, for the very first time in their lives, had bought their first house. Like, they'd bought uh -huh. a house. Like, And um, it was, I guess, like a few years after 9-11 is when I graduated. And my dad's in the car business. And everything just went to shit. And they lost the house the week I graduated high school. Jesus. And so my big plan was, like, I was going to go to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in L.A., and awesome. I'd been accepted. Like you didn't have to take the SAT. Like it yeah. was awesome. They just cared that like you understood color palettes. Yeah. And or maybe I did have to take the SAT. I really don't know. But um, but it wasn't a huge factor. In yeah. Obviously, because yeah. I got in. And that was the big plan. And all my friends were going out to like LA to do like you know film school and things like that. And it was like the. I don't know. I didn't think that I was ever going to go to college. And so I had like latched on to that one dream of like, I'm going to be in fashion. Or I'm going to go to this design and merchandising Institute. And then like, I'm going to revolutionize the way we talk about plus size clothing. Little did I know. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> like it's, it's you did end up doing journey. that. Just not in the way you, in, <laughs> that well, you originally thought you were going to do yeah, it. Yeah. It's <laughs> writing books, man. That was, I feel like that was the long way. So when you first decided to get into writing, you were working as a librarian. Yeah. Right? Well, it was my senior year of college. Um, and the first time I read a young adult book was my senior year of college. I was, I went to school for political science research because I wanted to, like, by the time I finally went to college and I could, like, it was on like, doing school on my own terms, I was like, if I'm going to go through the trouble of going to college, I'm going to do a real job. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to become 
a legal librarian because I love the law and I love libraries. And so I'm going to go get my, I'm going to go get my bachelor's degree and then I'm going to go to law school and then I'm going to get my master's in library science and I'm going to be schooled to death. And my senior year graduating with like my bachelor's, I read this goddamn book called Twilight. Oh my God. <laughs> and I love that that's the start. I of was it. like, why is this so good? Like, why? I know, like, in, there are inherently like ridiculous things about the story that I can identify, and there are things that like, I shouldn't like be sparkling, sparkly vampires. Like, yeah. it's in the book. It's not a thing that the movie's made up. No, it's a yeah. real thing. And I don't know. Like, I. I think that like, especially outside of the publishing world, people knock on those books so bad. Yeah. But I just kind of feel like they gave me the courage to try writing because it was just, and it's not to demean Stephanie Meyer, the author of those books at all, but she had, she literally had a dream about a sparkling vampire and that's how she started like the Twilight books. Jeez. And if this like Mormon housewife could write these books and millions of people are going to read them. Like I could probably maybe write a book that someone might read one day. And it wasn't just that people read it. It was like an international smash yeah. hit yeah. option for right. four movies. Right. And then it spawned off. Cause it wasn't that like I heard once that like even 50 shades of gray was a like twilight fan fiction. It's twilight fan fiction. Gone yeah. awry. And yeah. now that's its own. And that's its own thing now. Too. I think it just proves like, you that like books don't have to be that objectively good for yeah. people to have fun with them and books don't and have to enjoy. be like boring it doesn't have to be like the stuffy thing that like in high school we learned like what books are I you know what I mean almost every book we read in oh, English class yeah the only reason I actually learned I really loved um, like literature growing up mm -hmm. not because of a single thing I learned in school right but because my neighbor uh, growing up was a children's book editor Oh, cool. So she just had a ton of stuff. And also, I wasn't I wasn't a very good reader. Mm -hmm. I never have been. Um, and what happens is part of her job was she would also write reviews for audiobooks. Yeah. So this is back when they came in the huge, like, plastic, like, like VHS-looking like thing. Like, exactly. But yeah. you open it up and there'd be, like, six cassette tapes in there. Mm -hmm. So she started letting me, like take them after she yeah. was done with them she would give them to me and i would listen through them yeah and then all of a sudden i realized i was like oh i, I do like books just not these boring yeah. ones that we have to read i really right. like this stuff yeah i really like this book called whale song which is all about <laughs> oh, like this whale song yeah <laughs> did you read that yeah i loved that book i can't find it anywhere i know <laughs> i don't it's, think it's, it's a thing it's a classic yeah I like and it's just it's i feel like as, as especially What's cool about young adult literature mm -hmm. is like every person, like kids, young adults, adults, everyone loves stories. Right. He always loves. There's no one that doesn't like stories. It's just kind of like, how are we going to ingest them? Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I think there's just like this idea that like young adult books have to be for teens. And yeah, I write for a lot of teens and my books get to be in school sometimes. And that's really cool. But I can tell you that like 80% of the people who show up to my signings are well over the age of 21. Yeah. And it's because we love, we love coming of age stories. Like we love stories that bring us back to those moments totally. where we feel like the world is fresh and we can make decisions and start from scratch. And yeah. so it's, I don't know. There's and something people really like a great hero universal. that they can see themselves in. Yeah. And they, they identify with things that that person went right. through or is going through. Why do you think Harry Potter, besides being cool, became an international? Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenon. Yeah. It still was like a coming of age, mm -hmm. a, a very long coming of age story set in a fantastical right. world, but still a coming of age story of 
meanwhile, while this kid is fighting the darkest powers to ever be, he still has to like pass his classes, yeah. <laughs> which is just, yeah. it's just, uh, it's that's the one thing about Harry Potter I always realized. They're he, like, yeah, Voldemort's out and about right now and there's Death Eaters killing people, but we're just, you know, Yeah, but like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you ever grow up, because Voldemort wants to kill you. Oh, <laughs> if I can go back to my old self and tell him, I'm like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, you're never going to know. And yeah. you're just, and it's going to change 50 times. Don't yeah, sweat it. Please have fun. I know every time I meet a kid that's like about to graduate high school and they're in their senior year and they're like, yeah, I'm going to school to do this. And I was like, good luck to you. Like, I know. I just like, just chill out. Like you don't have to know everything. Like just trust really, me. I, I, yeah. That's you what I You don't have people. to know, like check all the boxes, know all your labels or whatever. Like just chill out. Just please do what you like. That's what I tell yeah. everyone. I'm like, just do what you like, do what you enjoy. Everything's going to change. Right. Like, and someone, like, I told someone once, they're like, well, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? I'm like, the job that you're going to be when you grow up probably hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. And it's probably going to be, like, a thick, like, no one knew how many influencers are out right. there. That, right. Like, that's now a huge industry that didn't exist when we were in high school. I know. It's crazy. And it's like, you know, you don't yeah. know what you're going to do. Yeah. Chill out. Someday someone's going to send you a free mattress to pose on. Oh my on, god! Like Instagram, you did know you what I mean? Like mattress? you just never know. Oh my god, I totally did. Was it, it was big amazing. fig? Yeah, it's so good. I want to get a big fig mattress. Yeah. Is it great? Do it. Yeah. Ian's mouthing. Do it in yeah. the background. <laughs> yeah. I bought a, a different internet mattress, yeah. which I found out after buying it mm-hmm. that it's um, only rated up to two hundred and fifty pounds, which oh, really no. fucks me over. Yeah. And no, that's not cool. No, it's bullshit because like they don't. It doesn't say it anywhere. Yeah. Because their whole thing is you know it's great and what happens is on my side of the bed there's a divot yeah and like that's that's the thing it's not that's like when you it's turn like the bed around and make, or, like oh, make I your did. spouse sleep on the other no, side she's yeah. in the divot right yeah. now <laughs> i think the divot's slowly coming up or now we just have two yeah. divots yeah <laughs> it's like, make it even <laughs> but no no it's yeah it's it's just it's just crazy so as you're working as a librarian mm-hmm. um and I believe your first uh novel was because of a writing contest yeah so there's uh it's uh, like a I guess like, I don't know, like a movement um, or an organization called National Novel Writing Month. And okay. it's <laughs> among among nerd circles. It's called NaNoWriMo for short. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And the goal is to write 50,000 words a month. And that's a lot of words. But that's it's a lot of words. It's, if you break it down, it's about 1,500 words seven days a week, I think. So it's really committing Still a yourself lot, but for a it month. Is committed. But it's yeah. like more bite sized. No, you can. It, you know it, what I mean? It sounds more doable when yeah. you say that. Yeah. Because fifteen hundred words is what, like two and a half full pages or something like that, maybe three. Uh, no, probably more than that. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it's. It, I guess it just it just depends on your computer settings, how big all the work, you know, your font. Yeah, exactly. But I use a big font, so for me, it's several pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like large print. Um, that's a publishing joke. Sorry. Oh my god. I'm such a nerd. Uh, yeah. So I was doing I was doing National Novel Writing Month programming actually at my library, like to try to get kids into it and writing, and they're like, all right. Miss Murphy, we're not going to do this bullshit unless you're doing it with us. And so that's when I started writing uh, my first book that ended up being published. I'd, I'd written books before or a book before that that was like, I thought was going to be like the book that changed the world, like uh-huh. the voice of a generation. And I didn't even like reread it after I wrote it. I was like, I'm going to send this to a hundred agents and see what happens. I just oh had like God. blind confidence of like, don't you love that? I'm a genius. 
Do you Nothing. Know how, many, yeah. how many projects I've started knowing I was going to be great at it? Yeah. I thought I was going to be like Howard Stern. I thought this podcast was just life now. Oh. And, then, and after a while, I'm like, this is just a thing I love doing. But, but it's like, someone's life. Like someone it, out there is like living. I hope so. I mean, yeah. Ian and I are. That's for sure. I love it. Um. So, yeah, I thought that like I thought that I had it in the bag. I knew the hell like what the hell I was doing. And now it's so embarrassing because like the people I've ended up working with, like my people who are, have been my agents now. Yeah. Like I sent them that first book and like they rejected me for it as oh well. They God. should have. They wouldn't be good agents if they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd written a book before then. But the one that ended up being published, I started writing for National Novel Writing Month with my teenagers. Which my is uh, Side Effects May Vary. Side Effects May Vary. Yep. Which it's, is a very different uh, book than yeah, Dumplin was. It's totally different. I uh, I loved <laughs> writing Side Effects May Vary. It's yeah. sort of like my like fan fiction of like a CW show if I could make up at any CW show is the CW still a TV station yeah I think okay. so I don't have cable I'm CW, assuming I, when or they WB were, whatever yeah now they're CW okay. but when we were younger it was it was WB it was WB. I was like what channel was Buffy on exactly yeah. it's like Buffy and Dawson's Creek right. and all those <laughs> so good uh, so yeah I it, it's really like what I would write like just like if I didn't give a shit about yeah. like doing anything and it's what I think I think that that my first book was like what I thought people wanted to like I was like they want to see like this tortured ballerina and like so I had so much fun writing it yeah because it played into like all the like ridiculous super dramatic like hyped up things that like I've loved watching and like reading um but it didn't I and it was sort of safe to write because I didn't connect with it really deeply yeah Dumplin' was terrifying to write. Oh, I couldn't <laughs> even imagine. <how laughs> so, one yeah. of the things that I loved so much, so, you know, I became acquainted with you and Dumplin' mm -hmm. and whatnot when the movie came out. Yeah. People have told me about the book Dumplin' uh -huh. many, many times, and I, I just, you know, it didn't come yeah. across my death, my Audible account yeah. quite yet, but yeah. it will now. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, but beforehand it hadn't, and so. I remember thinking when I saw this movie, and I think I posted something along mm -hmm. this where I was just like, this is a movie that I wish had existed when I was a teenager because it would have made me yeah. feel so much safer and so much more seen. Right. And that was like the big thing. Yeah. And people don't realize about like the whole body positivity and like fat acceptance like movement. It's not old. It's yeah. still very new. Yeah. Was, I feel like it was like six or seven years ago someone was just like, can I can I just be happy still? Yeah, and I know. everyone's like, wait, huh? huh what, what do you mean? Like, right. even us, even like the people who like who grew up bigger. I was like, no, I can't. I I can't be happy. And yeah. Like, I'm. This is all on a pause until one of these fifteen fad diets I try takes. Yeah. That's exactly. who, that's how I'm just waiting to be yeah. happy. I mean, like, there were very small pockets of people in the fat acceptance movements in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was never like like the sensation that it's become. I think like, we, were, we needed social media for it to become what it's become. I think so. And yeah. it, because, especially because there's become so much like so much power in just like the simple thing of like a selfie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like posting yourself on the internet is an act of rebellion. Absolutely. You know? Um, so it took me a long time and I, you know, I, I think I had really just started to like discover, I was like, uh, you know, not, not newly married, but I remember that I was still like had enough, like clear memory of like dieting for my wedding and like yeah. all these other things. Ugh. And 
I discovered, I felt like I had started to discover like fat acceptance of around like 2012, 2013. And that's the same time I got this, this idea for Dumplin'. And I was like filled with rage. Like it was like someone had just for the first time told me that like all of us, men and women, everyone hates their body because the patriarchy. And I yeah. like just yeah. figured this out and I was so angry and I was like, I'm going to write a goddamn book about it. Yeah. And I'm going to make you like it because I'm going to make it charming. <laughs> I'm going to try to make it charming, but I'm going to make you like it. Well, you definitely succeeded <laughs> in making it charming. Oh, no, yeah. I think that's Thanks. what people don't realize. Yeah. If it's... <laughs> Like the whole like hating our bodies and whatnot, it's every single person. And that's something that I like um, in the book and in the movie that like you even see it in like Willow Dean's mother and yeah. whatnot. Even though she is this prim and perfect person, mm -hmm. she fucking doesn't eat like half the thing because yeah. she has to get ready for the pageant. And, right. whatnot. and it's like I, I, you don't realize it until it's put in your face mm -hmm. because it just seems so normal that right. how much of your life is like based around changing the way your body looks. Yeah. Yeah. So like my whole adolescence was based on from when I was 12 to like three years ago. Yeah. It was my whole life was about somehow changing the way my body yeah. looked to have some form of like acceptance and comfort. And then the first time like somebody tells you they're like, you know, you can be happy the way you are. And you're like, shut. Okay, very yeah. funny. That's cute. And then I remember for me, it was a theater director because I went to school for theater. Well, I mm -hmm. started off going to school for marine biology and then I <laughs> changed to theater. <laughs> Quite as, the change. As yeah. one does. It's also this very Connecticut like exactly. change, by the way. Oh, like, I went to, when I was in high school, I went to Bridgeport Aquaculture. Oh that's where I went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, that's like what I want. And I remember being in my conservatory play and for the first time, like I remember the director took me aside because mm -hmm. I was playing a scene some way he didn't like. And he's just like, hey, you know it's okay to be the big guy, right? And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know what you're... And he's like, no, 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 listen. It's okay to be the big guy. People will like you as the big guy. Pe like, you can yeah. be big and be good and happy. And like a sex and symbol. Like a sex or symbol. Like, yeah, he was. Like, he was you like, can be dashing. You can save I was, the day. Because this character was supposed to be... Um, want. Uh, it was... It was I was playing a guy who had, uh, it was a play called Loose Knit, who I cannot remember the author right now, mm -hmm. but um, it was, I was playing a guy who had cheated on his wife with her sister, mm -hmm. and the fact that, that I could have done either of those was hard for me to play, right? so he had to, like, entertain me, like, no, people will still want to have sex with you as a big person. I'm like, yeah, but, like, we're just playing, right? Yeah. And he's like, no. People still like this. People will find you attractive. Right. And the first time someone says it some, like something that plainly, you're like, wait, no, yeah, I can't. And then like it's, you kind of go through like a weird like search. What, what was your like? Do you have a moment like that where like for the first time you saw at least someone say it was okay? Yeah. Uh, so I read a lot of um, R.I.P. It no longer exists. Exojane.com. Okay. And uh, Marion Kirby and Leslie Kinzel, they were like the staff writers, essentially, on Exojane that were like the resident fat ladies that were constantly like writing about fat acceptance and like like how to deal with just getting on a fucking airplane and like oh things like God. that. Yeah. And I... I you I like read so much of their stuff as resources, especially because like for like traveling and like just different like ways of navigating the world. And then they would also write articles about like the, the day I gave up dieting, the day I decided this was bullshit. And 
it scared me and it almost made me angry because I felt like, oh my God, they don't know that this, that this is harmful, that what they're doing is wrong. And then yeah. like, I don't know, we, I, it was soon after actually we got back from our honeymoon, um, when we got married, I'm going to cut away and ask what year did we get married in? 2011. Thank you for remembering that. I love that. Yeah. So we got married in 2011 and I think like the year, I think 2012 was really the year that it really struck for me. And I remember even when we packed for our honeymoon, I was like, can we make sure that we go to a resort where it has like one of those small dip pools, like right by your oh. room. So I don't have to get in the major pool. And then I got to the resort and there was like Swedish people everywhere without shirts on and like, like ladies with like saggy tits everywhere. Like it was amazing. And I loved it. And I had this great time Yeah. and I just roamed this resort in my swimsuit and I didn't care. And so that was the first time that I realized like there could be something more to this. Like this could yeah. be better. And it's just like, it's just grown from there. And like, I remember like, or like what you were just saying a minute ago about, you know, everyone in the in this movie Dumplin' doubting themselves. Like it's so easy to forget like how short sighted we can be. Yeah. How like the act of our of us hating our bodies causes other people to hate their bodies, and so like this idea of like us going on crash diets and like. Um, people just don't get that like the like when people are dieting like that and saying like oh well the way that you live is fine for you it's just not fine for me like it's just like feeding into this like awful cycle this culture that just never ends yeah. until we just say fucking stop <laughs> yeah that's something in dumpling that like sticks to me also is like so one what i love about the relationship between willow dean and Bo is mm -hmm. his name um is that he does like her. She's the one putting all of it on herself. Yeah, she's putting yeah. all these. He's a, you know, this handsome, straight-sized guy who she keeps. She wants to keep everything very, like, secretive and very, like, yeah. small because there's that shame factor that comes with being a bigger person. Yeah. I remember me, even when I dated girls in high school, it wasn't because they found me attractive. Right. It was because I had a car and I was funny and I like would do whatever they want. Yeah. And I was yeah. like paying the tolls right. for their companionship, right. Right. not because they liked me or yeah. found me attractive in any way, shape right. or form. Yeah. I, I just like, when I think back about how much internalized like fat phobia I oh, had, yeah. it was just like, I, my husband is the first bigger guy I ever dated Yeah. because I like in, in Dumplin' the book, she, uh, like momentarily dates another guy and he's a bigger guy and she doesn't want to be with him at some points because she feels like I don't want to be with him just because people think I have to be with him. You just hit on something that's been like my now biggest retroactive yeah. point of shame. Yeah. There were people, cause I like even look back in like high school and whatnot, I didn't like having fat friends. Nope. I didn't like dating Same. other fat people. Same. And it makes me mm -hmm. so sad it's that disgusting. that was the way I thought yeah. Yeah. because it was, it was almost like, saying you're just like well this is the person i deserve it's so yeah. like which now i'm just like i'd be no, fucking lucky to deserve hated this person yourself. i yeah. hated myself so much yeah that i assumed all these terrible things i thought about myself were true of other people were true of everybody yeah oh it's so painful like I, I, know. I look back at it um because i've talked about this with friends in the past where i was just like there were like 
I remember being told that like people had a crush on me in high school and yeah. I remember being mortified by like, it. No way. And now like real. as an adult, like looking back at it, I was like, I'd have been so lucky yeah. to have dated that person. I've had so much yeah. fun, but my own self hatred mm-hmm. made me decide that they weren't of this certain, like I was, I remember being, I don't think there is a, anyone in the world mm-hmm. shallower than a fat high school boy because <laughs> I was the worst to people and but I shouldn't have been like yeah. and, and but it's just because I had so much internalized self-hatred yeah. being like the fat kid in school that I I just projected it onto yeah. every single other yeah. person it's and if crazy. I wasn't dating someone who looked like a like sports illustrated model then I was somehow failing yeah somehow yeah it's so weird like uh, in so in the Dumplin' movie and in the book, there's a secondary fat girl named Millie, and in the movie, like I love Millie so much. I love Millie but it's too. Also, her character is also like a rude awakening. It's hard. I think for yeah. every fat person, right? Right. And I thin people really don't get this, and I get so there's every once in a while I'll get like a thin person that's like, this book is body shaming because in the book they're much nicer in the movie, but in the book there's a moment when Willadine is like, I'm a fat person, but at least I'm not that kind of fat person. Yeah. And every fat person ever has thought that to themselves, and it's awful, and it's internalized fat phobia. But anytime a thin person reads it, they're like, this is such body shaming and I'm like you don't get it you didn't get like you didn't (laughs) that's another thing I know thin people will never really know what it was like growing up being bigger no and like and they also don't understand the like the levels of of like self-hate we have also was dependent on like the other person's size and whatnot I still today will get like hate mail from bigger guys or like not hate mail but like people like passive aggressive weird comments of like well he's not even that big I don't even know why we're talking about this and I'm just like I was like, don't give me the, I don't like, cause, cause they do, yeah. they start just being like, cause, because like there are some guys who are bigger than me that'll look at me being like, yeah. well, how can he understand what I went through? Right. And it's just like, especially when I look at thinner people and I'm just like, you can't, you don't know what it's like growing yeah. up with a weight problem and you think you can, you try to look at it objectively, mm-hmm. but it's like, even just then I said, weight problem, yeah. just internalized. It's all just there. I, cause it's hard get, to break those habits. Yeah. And, and, but it's like, you just, you don't know those feelings. Right. I cried really, really hard at, um, have you ever seen the TV show Shrill? Oh, have you read the book Shrill? You gotta, you gotta get up with it. Book. Lindy West is actually in town right now. If she weren't busy, I was going to try to get her here tonight. Oh my God. Um, There's one episode of Shrill where so it's good. the pool party episode, Yeah, which is amazing. And she has this amazing time. But what the scene that got me was they had showed her being younger and her mm-hmm. talking, her mom being like, let's go to the pool. She's like, no, I'm just going to stay inside and read. I don't want to do this. And the scene where I just burst out crying and my wife did not get why was after um, the parents had went to bed yeah. that her younger fat self snuck out to the pool and went when down no to it. When no one was there. At like 1 a.m. when no one was there and it broke my heart. And it's I like was, pure joy. Oh, and I was like, but I was that kid. I, I would know. never go in a pool with other people around. I know. And, and, it's and the just, thing is like, it's there's some sort of like universal cruelty in the fact that like, I've never met a fat person who doesn't love to swim. Yes. You get in the pool and you feel weightless and you forget about your body for a minute. Yes. And like, there's some sort of like sense of like when you're under the water, you're almost like hiding. Fat people love the water. Fat people love swimming. <laughs> they just like, love swimming I know. so much. I had a friend that went to the Dead Sea and they're like, it felt so amazing to float for the first time. I'm like, bitch, where have you been? Like, I've been like... floating my whole life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. So 
but oh just God. like th there's something incredibly cruel about the fact that fat people love swimming so much and we have like we've been taught and trained that like this is something you're not allowed to do and if you do you better wear a black t-shirt yeah I, and, like, I was length shorts I was t-shirt in the pool yeah. every single time yeah. no matter what that's my biggest thing yeah. now you weren't trying to protect yourself from a sunburn we all know yeah oh and I would say that yeah. oh and I use it because I am pale I'd yeah. just be like I just burn so easy yeah, I can't. Yeah. And it's like no I can't I don't I give a shit my new thing now is in my home I um anytime it gets over like 70 degrees my new thing mm -hmm. is like I don't wear a shirt at home just yeah. like I'm kind of conditioning myself mm -hmm. just to, and I'll like we have a little like, garden backyard area and I'll just go out and like hang out in the backyard where I know every apartment can see me but I'll just hang yeah. out shirtless just because I'm like just just exist just do just this do people it. do this all I remember being in middle school and I would get mad like anytime it was hot every like every person would just start taking their shirt off and God. they would like walk around with their t-shirt and their belt and I'm like what are you doing I remember wearing like in the middle of the summer in Texas like wearing my Lane Bryant jeans in high school that went like up to my boobs oh. and being like just suffering through it yeah and being like this is awful her shorts are so tiny like why can't I wear something like that oh my I god I just didn't know it was brutal it was so brutal yeah. oh yeah. I would, hoodies in the summer every yeah. summer was yeah. me and it yeah. was just not only just hoodies like the same hoodie like yeah. I had one hoodie that <laughs> for some reason it was bulky enough where I felt like it didn't show off like my right. curves so I was like this is what I wear forever yeah. now yeah Oh my god! But Willow Dean is f uh, like not Willow Dean. It, Dumplin's full of so many like moments like that yeah. that got me. I th we got a little sidetracked with it's the okay. Millie thing, but I wanted to go back to it yeah. just because. Yeah, she's so harsh to Millie. She and is really harsh to Millie, and Millie was actually hard to write. Like I was really actually, I was like, is this believable? Is she too annoying? Is this? And then I realized that like. No, bitch. Like, you still have, no matter how hard you try, yeah. internalized fat phobia. There were so many people, like, I remember that you would see when you were like, oh, I don't want to be that fat person. Yeah. There was always a couple of kids who didn't seem to care or just not even something they didn't seem to care. Whatever happened in the way they were raised in their parenting, yeah. they didn't notice. They right. didn't know that this was different. Yeah. And I wish I could bottle their parental experience yeah. and figure out why. But, yeah, they would go out and do stuff and you'd just be like, like, take their shirt yeah. off at the pool. And yeah. I'm just like, why is he doing this? Yeah. I can't believe I'm going to, you know, now put on my wetsuit. And yeah. get in the, like, I feel like it's, it's, I mean, for me, I've really seen it in like people who come from nerd families who find like value in different yeah. things. Like I very, like my family in Connecticut is like obsessed with like the New York Jets, New York Giants, like they're a sports family. Yeah. And so our value was always tied up in our bodies. But I feel like it, especially like the people that I've seen that are like that have come from families that like like play Magic the Gathering on Saturday night. You know what God, I mean? I played I'm Magic like, the Gathering oh. until I realized I was fat and then I stopped playing Magic the Gathering. No, you gotta get back into it. I like, got, there's a whole new wave of like magic. When out I there. was young, I was like such a nerd mm -hmm. and into such cool nerdy stuff. And I remember shrinking away from like yeah. nerddom when I when like around 12, 13. Yeah. And I tried to like back off of it really hard. I yeah. still liked it. I still like, you know, would watch nerdy movies and stuff, right. but like I remember backing off so hard because I was like, I can't be fat and a nerd. I have <laughs> right? to be one or the other. You, can't, you gotta choose. <laughs> it was I just so wanted, sad. like, I know, and I, and I feel like, especially, it sounds like we had similar fat experiences, and that like, 
okay, well, if I'm, if I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a fat nerd. Like I don't want that life, but I'll be the funny fat best friend to all the popular kids. Yeah, and that's that was, what I ended up being was like, I was in love with like everyone I knew and I would never, I was never going to be with them. Of course, because I just had like sold myself short and told myself it wasn't impossible, but at least I could make them laugh. And at least they'll tell me yeah. all about their crushes and, Oh, I'd say that all the time, especially growing up as a boy, like your choices when you are like fat growing up as a boy is to either be a nerd and just live in your little nerd clique or you can join the football team and be the friend with all the football guys. But in that you also have to kind of be a douche and like kind of be a bully type guy or you can be the people's best friend. Like for me, it wasn't the popular, it was just older. I was just like, I'll just, yeah. I'm gonna be older best friends with like two year, two grades above me. Mm-hmm. And like, by the time I hit my senior year in high school, I'm not gonna have any friends. Yep. And like- <laughs> Everyone and will have graduated. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's just kind of how it works sometimes. Like I always, I ended up gravitating towards theater. That was my little yeah. like safe. That was a clue. That was like me getting back into nerddom, but in yeah. a different way. Cause musical theater, theater is nerds also are cruel to fat people though. Awful. Yeah. Theater, theater really fucked me up. I had a fat theater teacher. So I did like community theater a lot and, uh-huh. um, I did it at my school too. And I had a fat theater teacher and she very self-indulgently one year had us do a play where she, that she had written herself called Crass alarmed about like a fictional crass alarm. Uh, yeah, about a fictional right. like uh, you know like royalty like I don't know village town castle I don't know, and I was thinking like okay maybe this is the one time where I could get cast as like the princess or like you know what I mean like I was like this fat lady wrote this play like surely she would yeah. she might see like this is the chance where like she's written the whole story and she could cast me as a, like as a fat princess or something like that. And of course she cast me as like the grandmother to like everyone else. You know what I mean? So like I love theater and I found a home in theater and theater taught me how to appreciate my bodies in certain settings because I very quickly had to get used to people measuring me which was like a phobia of mine you lose a lot of self-consciousness you have to get dressed in front of other people whether you like it or not right because you're all in like one classroom changing between scenes and And it's like everyone loves you behind the scenes but they're never gonna let you take the stage and be the main character yeah but it sounds like you had that really good experience with your I I got I got very lucky um I got very lucky that but that wasn't until I was you know 22 years old right. that someone yeah. finally because because it was the same as for being a bigger person your job was you i always got roles i always got parts but it was always the older person yeah be just because that's what we could play adults right as kids right. because yeah. we were bigger and that's what we did yeah i sh- i tried out for a it was essentially like a show choir type thing like a a traveling show choir that my like community theater did in texas and uh the man who ran the show choir he was like like my gay godfather like i was obsessed with this guy like always sought his approval and he didn't cast me in this group and he came up to me afterward and like was like i'm sorry sweetheart you just look way too old like you're just gonna like everyone's gonna wonder like why this adult is with all these kids and i was like 14. i know crushed it's really theater that's what i think is so weird because theater is supposed to be this all accepting safe place for people and it is in a lot of ways yeah and i definitely as the same i found safety and i found my home there with people but it just internalized every bad thing i ever thought about myself my my one real i actually i got lucky when i was in like community theater i played a couple cool big roles but Mm -hmm. i remember 
my biggest role I ever had was I played Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar. You have such a Jesus beard. And thank a you. A good Jesus beard. I, I was auditioning for Judas. And, <laughs> and I was like, I can't say no to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they made me Jesus. And I was I was super excited. It was my favorite musical. And But That's as soon great. as they made me Jesus, I, I instantly accepted. It was great. And then I had a panic attack where I was just like, I have to be shirtless. You take your shirt off. I have to take my shirt off on yeah. stage. This is going to be terrifying. I went on the craziest... Like 300 calorie a day crash diet oh that you could God. ever imagine. I dropped a ton of weight. I was very diet. sick. I didn't do anything but like drink alcohol because I was still in college at the yeah. time. So I just didn't eat food but still got drunk and then would throw up. And that was just like my existence <laughs> right. during that time. And I remember it still being this thing where it was like yeah come see that show with the fat jesus <laughs> and oh i was God. just like and not even and i was like now i look back at it and i half the person i was the one describing it that way because yeah. you know as a fat person you're always like trying to be in like, on the joke i'm gonna make it a joke i'm gonna make it a joke and now as an adult i look back and it's the thinnest i ever was in my entire life yeah. it was the absolute thinnest i ever was and it was like but just because, you know, I still had like a belly and man boobs, I was just like, oh, here comes the fat Jesus. And yeah. like there were all these weird little jokes about like, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting didn't do all that much. And like all these oh really God. shitty, yeah. shitty jokes. And like it was it's so funny that it's like because yeah. it's the, and then when I moved to here. I moved to the city in order to be an actor. And then. I quickly realized I wasn't good enough in musical theater. <laughs> I just wasn't as I was. I was Connecticut good, but I wasn't New York. I was good. Connecticut good. Oh <laughs> like, man, that's, I'm gonna put them on my website. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a Connecticut good. Author. I'm like Connecticut good. I'm yeah. not New York good. Um, but then, so what I did was I started um, get trying to do film and. Mm -hmm it was the same thing I quickly realized I was like I'll have no career in this because I cannot Yeah. I can only play I'll have career if I want to play prison guards mm -hmm. and stuff like that for the rest of my life mm -hmm. which is weird that in in theater and in acting and film I felt so restricted and then like fashion is where I yeah. got my acceptance yeah. the you most stereotypical like body shaming yeah. like dysmorphia bullshit like you can imagine is where I actually found it. And mm -hmm. I feel like the same. I feel like for a long time, I feel like, or at least this last couple of years, I feel like fashion has been like getting way ahead of like Hollywood and TV as far totally. as like diversity and yeah. acceptance. And luckily for us, uh, you know, your book got option for a movie. I know. <laughs> which helped I know. us all so much. I think, I hope so. What I was, mean, what was that like to all of a sudden? Cause you, I mean, the book did great. You know, yeah. it's New York Times bestseller. Yeah. So, there had to be a little part of you in the back of your mind that's like, people make movies out of books. Did you ever think it would happen? Uh, in a very slight part of my mind, but like seeing like seeing books turn into movies on the publishing side, it's like, all right, well, even if like a movie studio approaches you or options your movie, the likelihood of it even happening is so, so slim. They're just like collecting content. Yeah, yeah. they really are collecting content or like, Unfortunately, sometimes they're just buying up stuff that's too similar to stuff they already have. Ugh. So, like, sometimes they're just buying up Project X because it's too close to Project Y and they don't want competition out there. So they're going to uh. buy your contract out for... Like a nice price tag, and it sucks, but like you know, you get to you cash still got that a check. Nice, yeah, it's still yeah. a check. I yeah. know. So it's a shitty check. It's, it's a shitty a, check, but it's a check. But it's a check. And uh, so yeah, I think that. Um, let me think. What was I saying? 
Oh, oh, the Dumbled movie is just so weird. I think, you know, I was at like, you know, BookCon today and this girl came up to me. She's had to be like 12 years old. She's like, I have a YouTube channel. Can I please ask you a question for my YouTube channel? And I was like, okay, yeah, I've got literally 30 seconds. Let's go. Yeah. And she was like, what does it feel like to have made the movie Dumplin' and to not only have made a book about fat girls, but also create jobs for fat girls. And I was like, I'm going to kiss your brain. This girl's good. (laughs) She's way better at this interview thing than I am. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I think she's just like a little Barbara Walters ahead of us all. Yeah. Um, but it it's really just like been a mind blowing thing. Like every step of the way, um, just seeing that like it's like just like slowly like sticking our toe in the door for fat yeah. people. You know, I think that like I love the team that I work with. I wish there were more fat people on my film team. Yeah. Um, that's uh, you know, and like the the battle in Hollywood for like like fat people on screen is serious it's real and it's disgusting what they think fat is and you know what i mean like so like the people i've worked with have been incredible and i've been so happy and so lucky but like anytime someone says like you know like oh well i wish they would have done this more radically i'm like you have no idea how hard you have to fight in like a hollywood boardroom the fact that you have the fact that the face of the movie is an actress like Danielle McDonald yeah. is re- revolutionary in itself. Yeah. And the fact that it's like. And she's not even like an Ashley Graham shaped fat. Like she's, no. she's, she's like a very normal, you know, I don't know, like not normal, but like it, it, she's just, she's, she's a, person a very you know. approachable person. Yeah. And that's the thing. She's a person that you know. She's yeah. a person you've seen. She's a person you know. Yeah. Whereas a lot of that's the thing is a lot of like plus models still have like a very nice hourglass figure that is yeah. yes double the size of a straight model and it's a, and it's a huge step along the right. way but it's still like an idealized version of, of like bodies. what a woman is yeah exactly yeah totally i love so i love danielle mcdonald she's hilarious so much i had she patty cakes yes yeah i love i, I actually sent her a message after i saw patty cakes mm-hmm. gushing to good. her yeah it's and so good. she just responded. i was just i mean I don't, she didn't know who i was she's there's just someone not, on the internet danny if you're listening to this i'm sorry but she's so bad at social media too <laughs> she just all she she did respond but yeah. she responded like Thank you. That was very nice. And I was like, you know, thanks so much. That's so nice. And I was like, yeah, you got it. You and got I was it. Like, okay, cool. We'll move on. Maybe I'll meet you again. I'm some just other obsessed day. with you. No big deal. I know. That's, it's, it's hard for me to like yeah. meet people like me too. Uh, always. I'm, I'm a gusher and I don't yeah. mean to be. Yeah. No. But it's like I, I do. I just start gushing. I love it. I love it. So when it got when when Dumplin' was optioned mm-hmm. for movies and whatnot. Because as you said, it's different than being an option and actually happen. When you yeah. got the confirmation, you're like, well, Netflix is making a movie out of yeah. this. Did you, how much of, did you get any say in what happens? Or were you kind of just along for the ride? Yeah, so it's a crazy kind of long story, but I'll try to tell an abbreviated version. So originally, Dumplin' was optioned by Disney. To okay. be made into a movie, and Disney quickly realized that like their live action things like Maleficent and Beauty and the Beast, like that was where success was going to be for them as far as theatrical releases. And that's all they've been doing recently, right? Yeah. Right, and I mean it makes sense, and I mean plus like all their animated features they do too. But yeah. um, so they quickly realized that that was going to work for them, and the people I worked with there were amazing, but they were really honest with us, which I appreciate because that's totally. not a common thing no. in that business. Usually they'll just string yeah. you along forever, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. 
it's so true. And so anyways, they had hired on a producer and a screenwriter. And I had a say in the screenwriter more so than the producer. But I really liked both of them. And we really connected. And so I got that awful crushing phone call that was like, Disney isn't making Dumplin'. And I was like, okay, well... Thanks. I'm at least glad I cashed that check. Yeah. And um, so then the next phone call that I got was from my producer and my screenwriter, who is also a producer on the film. And they were like, that was shitty and that was awful, but we're still on board and we still want to make this happen and we still have a lot of faith in this. And also Jennifer Aniston wants to be a part of this project. (laughs) And that was really the moment when it all changed. Like nothing really, there wasn't a lot of movement that happened while we were at Disney. We had a script. We had a lot of things like moving parts behind the scenes. Um, But other than that, like it really, things took off after Disney dropped us. Yeah. And we ended up making the film independently. So we made the film without Netflix. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of the content you see on Netflix well, um, I, I know movies. that's a big thing that they do yeah. is they has yeah. been made independently. Usually the, uh, yeah, yeah, I know that usually the contracts happened later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of original content they are producing, but a lot of the movies and even some of the TV shows are just things that like network TV just, you know, never picked up. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, turned out to be awesome. So anyhow, uh, we got to make it independently. And so I got to have, I mean, like there was a lot of talking heads in a room, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of us saying what we wanted and what we expected and everyone who started working on this project from like me to Jennifer Aniston to Dolly Parton had a different version. I know. Dolly Parton. I know the fact (laughs) that Dolly Parton's a part of this whole thing. It's wild. Amazing. Um, everyone had a different version. Like for Dolly Parton, like this was like an homage to her fans for Jennifer Aniston. This was about the relationship that she's dealing with, with her, you know, mother. Yeah. And for Kristen Hahn and my screenwriter, this was about female empowerment and like female friendship. Yeah. And for me, this is about fat bodies. Yeah. And so all of us are in a room trying to like, you know, make sure that like the thing that we're most concerned about is at the forefront. And so I had a lot of say, but also like this project means different things to different people. Yeah. So yes, I do feel like I had a lot of say and I feel comfortable with the amount of say I had, but like, of course, do I want it to like be like even more like radically like about fat acceptance no, and totally. like, even more like diverse than it is like, yeah, hell yeah, I do. Um, so, but yeah, I'm. But I'm it's happy no. You should. Yeah, you know, it's an it's an amazing yeah. movie. I cried multiple times in it <laughs> just because it is. It's one thing that I think is interesting about like fat people in general. Yeah. Like in general, is I think when it comes to stories of fat people growing up, like gender doesn't become as big of a thing either. Yeah. Like I automatically see myself in Willow Dean yeah. in a split second. Right. It doesn't matter that I grew up being a boy yeah. and she a girl. We both grew up as fat people. So yeah. because of that, it's like everything she's going through yeah. is something that I, I completely recognize. Right. And the fact that like her relationship with her aunt is another thing. The fact yeah. that there's this, cause I think we also all had like one person who, who did kind of put us above, even mm-hmm. though we were bigger, like, yeah, and, got and it. like, and I, th- and so that relationship I think is very special yeah. and like the relationship that I feel like big people have to LGBTQ community with yeah. the drag queens is another thing. Yeah, it's it just, really is. It's almost just like any, any group that feels marginalized all kind of like get together yeah. and kind of see, see like well, themselves in each other. I mean, you know, it, 
there's nothing I'm, at the end of the day like I'm a, I'm a white lady you know yeah but there's something to be said for the fact that like I walk into a room and people automate, automatically make assumptions about me mm-hmm. before they even know who I am or what I do for a living yep I mean like even like sometimes like when I fly first class like guys look at me and they're like what the hell are you doing in first class like you you know what I mean like they make quick assumptions about fat people like we're oh, lazy yeah. we're poor we're do- like all these different things and then it's like they turn to me in a very like smug way and they're like what do you do for a living and then getting back to the beginning of the podcast You're that's like, when i get to pull out the card and i'm like i'm a number one new york time best-selling author bitch yeah <laughs> like <laughs> what are you doing yeah what do you Finance. do for a living? <laughs> yeah he's like heading to a sales conference no exactly <laughs> yeah. it is it's it's sometimes well there's also yeah you have to also throw that you gotta you gotta spaces. use the card every once in a while like, you gotta you, you gotta to. sometimes like yeah like accomplishments. My, the I, teenage I don't think, self, like the teenage version of myself, who's called like a fat whale in a food court, deserves to use it exactly, every once in a while. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you need to throw those digs yeah, in there. Yeah. There's a big, lots of other things. Like I grew up being told to be like very humble all the times. I learned how to take a compliment like last year. Yeah. Like you couldn't say like, and if you said anything complimentary yeah. to me, I'd be like, oh no, stop yeah. it. Burr, burr, burr. Yeah. And like just, I remember it was actually my wife who was just like, just say thank you. She and just, just move take along. it. And I was yeah. just like, oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can just like, just go with it yeah. and stuff. It's even as simple as like someone telling you you look good one day or they like your shirt and you're like, it was on sale. And it's like, I know, right? It's <laughs> not a big deal. Like, it's okay. You don't have to, like, it's still a good shirt. It's almost like you're apologizing. Yeah. Like, like you just grow, you're like, I need to apologize for that yeah. nice thing you said yeah. to me. Yeah. I found it in a bin at Target. I'm sorry. Oh like, my God. Yeah. How did the producers find out that Jennifer Aniston was interested? Uh, because everyone in Hollywood knows each other. Okay. And uh, so Kristen Hahn is actually, best friends she's my screenwriter Kristen Hahn is and she's best friends with Jennifer Aniston she so there was a like a specific street that like in the 90s like everyone who worked on Friends and like Paul Rudd and like everyone who you've ever could think of that was in like a great 90s movie yeah all lived on this little street and these like bungalows and they all just dated each other at some point in time and all became best friends so it's like this little dynasty yeah um but they're all great, wonderful people. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, really, like, I will forever be thankful to her because she's the reason we got financing for that movie. Yeah. Because, like, every time a movie is made, or every, especially independently, like, financiers look at, like, who's in your, who do you have, like, you know, in your stables, you know? And they look at the dollar amount assigned to that person's name, and they decide how much value is in your film. Oh, it's really it's disgusting it's disgusting it's really upsetting i've pitched many a show um like a reality type show yeah and do you know how many times i've been there and i've like we get to the who's in your stable thing and i say i'm like well i can bring this person on as a guest this person on as a guest Mm -hmm. we can have this person come do stuff we can have this person on and then like even if i did get to someone of note they'd be like oh would that person be interested in hosting and i'd be like no, no, I'm hosting the show I'm hosting. that I'm pitching that I came up. I'm not pitching this to yeah. hand this to another person. I want to, no. I want to do this thing. And it's, it is, it's very much just about, I've, I, cause even me, I, I'm told every single, all of these meetings, they're like, yeah, it's a good idea. You don't have enough notoriety yeah. to pull this off. And I'm like, Oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's sad. And they're yeah. like, no, we just, it, it they, it happens in media. It happens in entertainment. It happens in fashion a yeah. ton. It still is 
all these things that seem so groundbreaking and crazy are all so they're done in the safest manner possible yeah. <laughs> with yeah. like absolute look at the dollar at all times yeah. that like I feel like if people see the behind the scenes they're right. Like, they're like, oh no, you don't want to know. I know. <laughs> like, it's not. Know. It was not revolutionary. It was we get like away we had, with a lot in publishing, but it's so much the same way. Like, if you even knew what could be out there, if people weren't scared. <laughs> yeah. No, they're like, no, we're just gonna do the one thing yeah. that's worked for the past fifty years. Yeah. And you're I mean, like, honestly, I mean, I hope my editor isn't listening to this. If you are, Alessandra, I love you. But Dumplin was just like it was a blank contract, which means that they just bought a book from me. Yeah. And they didn't know what it was gonna be yet. I oh no, it wasn't a blank contract. I had pitched them Dumplin', but it wasn't bought for like an astronomical amount of money. It was a very safe buy and a huge payoff now for them. Oh yeah. But like it was, I mean like it was totally safe. Like no one, I don't want to say no one expected it to be anything, but no one was banking on the fat girl being their big title, you know? So yeah. Well, luckily they, luckily she was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, it's like my biggest advice to like up and coming authors who are just like hungry and like, Oh, like comparing like the marketing they get to the marketing some other author gets. And I'm like, the best thing you can do for your career is to surprise people. Like let them underestimate you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Use it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So Dolly Parton wrote a song for the movie. She wrote an entire soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, she was supposed to just write one song. Yeah. Um, so we like, I think like a few months before filming was supposed to start, like Dolly Parton was like the wild card that we were all waiting on. Now, was that just your, that was that just Texas coming out of you with Dolly Parton you being know, such a big part of the book? When I moved to Texas, the only thing I knew about the South was Steel Magnolias. Oh yeah. And so I like, as a kid, I was like this woman. Like, I don't know who she is, but she is everything I need to know about the South. Yeah. Um, And so she was always like kind of like an icon in the back of my head. And she just like fits so well into Dumplin'. Like it just I remember when I was writing Dumplin', it felt like like when Dolly Parton, like when I added her to the equation, it was like it it, it just took off. Like it just made sense. It was so much easier to write. Like suddenly like there was this like like guiding light almost in the book. And I just felt really excited about it yeah um but yeah it's just the dolly parton thing is just wild because if she if dolly had said no i'm not interested it not in this was, yeah. nothing was happening i don't think so would I you mean, even like so so when you were writing the book you have like song lyrics in the yeah. book and whatnot were you like allowed to do that even? yeah so there are specific copyright laws okay. and like we like at publishers we have a whole team of lawyers who like check all these things for us because you say it's a dolly parton song like you just yeah. fully credited in yeah the fact yeah that she's credited so yeah. like i think it, it varies and every publisher has different guidelines but there's like a specific amount of like words you can use from a song totally before you then have to like contact these people and ask for permission. Like I once started a book off with a yeah, yeah, yeah's lyric and we had to contact the yeah, yeah, yeah's and ask them for permission. Oh my God. And they said, yes, thank you. Thank you. Fair now. That was very nice. <laughs> I appreciate you. But in a, so, you know, there's ways to get around it in book form, but in movie right. form, you couldn't do this without Dolly Parton's music. You can't do it without Dolly Parton's music. And the only way we could have done it is it's just, it would have just been so much more bland and it wouldn't have been as exciting yeah and it definitely would have taken this to like a much like lower level of quality no definitely um yeah so a few months before we started filming we were just like waiting on word like has anyone been able to get in touch with dolly's people and uh, <laughs> dolly has this manager he's a big guy too his name's danny nozell 
And he, along with Jennifer Aniston, is like my second fairy godmother because he made this whole thing happen. Yeah. So uh, he brought the book to Dolly's house in Tennessee and was like, I don't know if you've heard of this book, but it's basically about you. Like yeah, that's no, like, exactly. to Do- like like Dolly's you're, team. You're a massive part of this Yeah, book. you're kind of a big deal, Dolly. And um, like, I guess for those listening who don't know, uh, the main character in Dumplin' is obsessed with Dolly Parton. Yeah. And so uh, anyways, he took this book to her house and she like, you know, is like wearing her like fancy ass silk robe and walks into her library. Cause if you don't know, Dolly Parton is obsessed with books and reading walks into her library and walks right out with a copy of my book that she already owned. Oh, and was like, out. people have been bringing me this book saying it's all about me, but I've never, you know, I just, I didn't know they were doing anything with it. And like, yeah. I was, she was just like, this is amazing. And so Dolly, you know, at first she said, um, you know, you can have access to my, you know, song catalog Library, yeah. for like, you know, a discounted rate. Yeah. We were like, okay, that's a big win. Yeah. And then, you know, the producers went back and were like, well, Dolly, what do you think about an original song? And she was like, oh yeah, I could do that. And we were like our, like it, that was the first moment when I was like, this is happening. It's happening. Yeah. I think this is happening. Yeah. Dolly Parton is writing a yeah. song. For yeah. Me. It was the most Texas thing ever. Cause I was on my way to like a writing retreat in like a, like a very like secluded area. And I had pulled over into this tiny little town and I was parked next to like an old community drink, like an old community pool that had been drained and like had like, you know, like all kinds of like grass growing up around it. And I was like, this is very Texas. Oh my God. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, the movie went into production. We knew we had a Dolly song coming. And then a few months after production, Dolly Parton invited us out to uh, Linda Perry's studio. Linda Perry from Four Non Blondes okay. produced the whole yeah, album, yeah. Um, who is amazing and crazy, and I love her. And so she invited us out to her studio because they wanted to do, like, an interview with me and Dolly and, you know, get to meet Dolly and so Dolly could play me the song. And we get there and we find out that not only has Dolly written a song and wrote a song for the movie she's written like a handful of songs and she's gotten all of these people to duet on her (laughs) classics with her so there's like um miranda lambert's on a song mavis staples l king is on a song like it's just oh my god she is amazing so when l king was kind of starting off i was managing a venue in new york city called rockwood music hall and l king i remember the first time i heard her i was just like who is this and one of the other bartenders were like that's l king she's really really great and then like you always know when something's good at rockwood what Mm -hmm. i loved about that is when there's someone really really good and all of a sudden i stopped seeing them yeah like they're now too big. Yeah. Like they just have too many people want to see them for They're them fancy to do at this small venue. Yeah. 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 It's, she's awesome. She's so, so good. And like her song with Dolly is incredible. Oh. Uh, so yeah, like I just remember sitting in the studio crying because I couldn't believe that this was happening. Yeah. It was insane. And, and just like meeting Dolly Parton, like she's so, She's exactly what you'd expect, but also surprisingly down to earth. Like the woman does her own makeup. She's always been super down to earth. She's so just funny and like always like rolls with the punches. I'll never. There was one joke I heard her doing. I can't remember what. She's so smart. She is so quick. I know. And some interviewer was doing rapid fire questions with her. And the final question was, 
um, the interviewer tried to like catch her off guard and they were like so like you know is it this is it this is it this and then they're like so are they real meaning her breasts mm-hmm. and Dahlia's response she goes of course not and then she holds up your ha- her hands and she goes you can't grow nails this long without breaking them and I was just like that was so good I know that was so good oh she's amazing she's hilarious she's like she's a living icon I never in my life thought that I would even get to meet her and for her to have been like this involved in my life is crazy yeah yeah no and it is it, it, icon is exactly what you said there's people that we said it even earlier like there's people that's well known and there's people who cannot go yeah. anywhere in the world without being recognized right. and dolly parton is one right. of those people i know i met i by some weird twist of fate i met debbie harry this week oh my god and oh I, I saw that picture yeah yeah i just i'm gonna i could die right now <laughs> like oh it's just god. what else is there what else is out there for me i don't even know i know <laughs> god the, yeah i saw the picture you had with her and i saw the picture with jonathan van ness too and i'm oh just my like god. oh i love jonathan he's he's just he's a lot like dolly in that like he's just what you get like, yeah he's what just you what, see you, is see. what you get and i just like he came up to me and he was like can i touch your hair and i was like are you going to bless it for me? Like, yes, <laughs> please touch my hair. Oh my God. He was God. like, you have great texture. And so I had to call my hairdresser like immediately afterwards. And She's like, like crying. Good job. Jonathan yeah. Van Ness just, yeah. just gave his seal yeah, of approval exactly. on like, your hair. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh man. When it, when it premiered, did you expect to get the outpour of love that you got from that movie? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, yes and no. I knew that, I knew the movie was good and I felt good about it. I'm such a, like a, a pessimist at heart and, yeah. and I have such a critical eye. I was able to watch the movie and see that like I felt good about it and that that was genuine. Um, but the, you know, so before Dumplin' came out, there was another YA film adapted that got picked up by Netflix and it was To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Okay. And it's a book by Jenny Han. It's really cute. It's like a high school rom-com and it took off and it did really, really well. And so I didn't know if there was going to be a good reception to Dumplin', but I knew that it would get visibility. And I knew that going to Netflix was like the best shot. You know what I mean? Because like everyone watches Netflix. Netflix. It's the biggest distributor of media in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and older people in my life kept being like oh you're not getting a theatrical release and like like without divulging too much like yeah we could have had a theatrical release if we really wanted one um but like netflix was just like the way to go like it was just it it's i can't believe how many people watch netflix oh it's insane yeah how many netflix movies were i mean i know at least roma but now it's like netflix originals get fucking Oscar nominations like, yeah. and win Oscars yeah. all the time now. And Dumplin' was nominated for Golden Globe yeah. for Best Song. That's crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. It's so lovely, so weird and beautiful and, I know. and amazing. But like, you must have received just like so many people yeah. that were just like, that. because fe- really, I mean, and I'm not kidding you, the two movies where I felt seen as a fat person in my life mm-hmm. for the first times was patty cakes and then dumpling. Oh my god. And those were the two times that I felt like visible and I yeah. felt like my my existence of growing up being a bigger person right. was truthfully shown. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually a moment in both dumpling and patty cakes that happened was that um 
was just the, the, the just the simple act of like her and Bo kissing and whatnot, yeah. and it not being accompanied with a thousand fat jokes of yeah. why it was happening. Yeah, and it was just like just the fact that there's like a genuine moment where you are just like, oh, oh, big people yeah. also love yeah. people and like and have relationships and have intimacies because yeah. that's the big thing. Because it used to be before the, these last couple of years, anytime you saw a bigger person mm-hmm. in any sort of love scene, it turned into a bumbling comedy about how fat they were. Yeah. And they couldn't just have a moment of being human. Right. And, right. And, and that's something that was was so prevalent throughout Dumplin' that yeah. I know oh. I appreciated so yeah. much and I know so many other people did. That's amazing. Thank you. That's really cool. You've got to, there are two things you have to watch. Okay. Have you watched Easy on Netflix? It's a, no. like a, almost like an anthology style TV show. Like every episode follows a different couple, but it's all based in Chicago and all the different couples end up like intertwining eventually. No, I don't think I've seen it. Um, but I think one of the very first episodes, there's a couple that decides that they want to have an open marriage and the guy is a bigger guy. And there's never a moment where it's like, he's not going to be able like there's never any doubt or like any like weirdness over the fact that he's a bigger guy and is like dating other women or anything like that like it's just like he has sex and he has sex scenes and it's just totally normalized oh i have to see that yeah, i would probably cry the only time i've seen on any tv show or movie where i saw a big guy just treated yeah. as a normal person was actually maria bamford's show lady dynamite yeah have you ever seen that yeah her husband is a big guy in that show and they just never mention yeah. it. it's there's never a joke about it right he's never yeah. called a sasquatch right. or a big teddy yeah. bear yeah. or something like that he's just yeah. a guy that she was dating and oh you know daniel mcdonald actually has an episode in easy too i totally forgot but she has an episode too and she's a sex scene too oh i yeah. love that i love yeah. daniel mcdonald i know i love she's her one of, there's only a couple people in the world that I like would gush about, but I think it's because they've made me feel something super yeah. deep at one point, and it's like you almost want to convey that to them. I know. And, and she's now, like so authentic on screen, and she's done it both in Patty Cakes and in Dumplings. Yeah. So I feel like if I ever met her, I'd just be like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What, okay, <laughs> like it's just because it's true. It's like it's I. It's hard to meet people who have made you feel like I that know. deeply. Yeah. And that's why I, I think it's usually like to meet them, honestly. Oh, I hate meeting people. But it's if I'm ever in town with, and Danny's here, I'm going to make you meet her. Oh, I would love <laughs> that. It's always it's always through actors and like musicians mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because even in like the even in like the writing world, you can kind of separate because you when you read a book, I feel like you read it in your own voice yeah. and it's almost like a story that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. even though you're reading it through someone else's lens. Yeah, it's easier to you take kind of like put your you put what you think of the character onto it as you're reading it. Mm-hmm. But like, especially with actors is like, they just, you know, it's just, they, they kind of cut through and they just hit right to like the heart string. Yeah. So like you remember that moment yeah. and sharing that moment with that person. Right. So, yeah. Oh, I hate meeting people. But I know. Like, I know. I'm always dis- I- I've always said that I'm always disappointed that of like the few people that I get like, like I was very nervous to meet you I'll be honest I was very nervous meeting you guys but luckily we had kind of broken the ice we had been texting yeah like you know I was talking to you Andy and so I was like I sent you my national treasure text and I was like you didn't respond you must not be a national treasure no I was just driving you're just driving I I had no idea I love national treasure you seem like a national treasure kind of person I love I'm one of those people that when people talk shit about Nicolas Cage I'm like but you like all his movies what are you talking about yeah leave him alone leave Nicolas alone exactly it's gonna be like leave 
Brittany alone. Leave well, Nick alone. But I'll still watch Con Air anytime it's on TV. Yeah. If it's there, I'm just like, oh, well, this is the next. <laughs> it's always halfway through for some reason. You're like, this is the next 45 minutes yeah. of my life. This is, is watching Con Air or The Rock, whichever yeah. Nick Cage movie yeah. is on. Ian's thing is Nicolas Cage. Mine is the Fast and Furious movie. It's like, I am obsessed. Oh, I, I, I fell off early. Like, no, no. I know. I've watched them all. <laughs> like I've gone to opening night of every single one. <laughs> oh my god. So good. That's so wonderful. Yeah. So now that Dumplings exist and mm-hmm. the movie is out there and you wrote a sequel, Puddin', mm-hmm. which is actually about Millie yeah. from yeah. Dumplings. Uh-huh. So kinda like in the same, in the same universe. It's like a sequel, but like kind of like an extension of the universe we, rather than in, a direct in the sequel. biz we call it a companion book oh yeah. a companion book i, I mean like it's that. still like i think like amazon and all those places listed as a sequel but that's yeah. like our like our lingo for it yeah i like that it's, i like that companion. and then you have a new book out which you yeah. are, which you're promoting at the old book con at a good old book con so dear sweet pea is going to be out in uh let's see october 1st so it's going to be a little while but um it's for younger readers, so like middle well, school yeah, readers. Gonna, yeah. Okay, that's what middle age is. Because yeah. I remember I was reading blurbs about it, and they called it a middle. It's my. And you're, and you're like, like it's my it, first middle age book, and I was like, Is that like middle? Like for Earth? like middle. I was like, I don't know what that means. I was like, I don't know what a middle age is. Because I was like, it's either Lord middle school or it's like. Yeah. F- for like people in their forties. No. I, don't know. <laughs> I was like, what is this considered? Like more publishing lingo. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's like basically like a middle school age book. So it's grades like, uh, I don't know, like probably like three to seven. And, uh, does your like writing style change in order to like, how did yeah. like, like, that's the thing. I don't, I don't, so it's a little it's it's younger so like the voice is younger so like you have to think about like the things you know at that age are like you know fewer things you are not as good as explaining at explaining things at times um and you go to different people for help you know what i mean like a teenager is searching to their friends they're like searching inward they're starting to like establish their own independence right like when things go bad they go to a party and get drunk when things go bad for like a middle school age kid they're like acting out or they're like going to their teacher they're going to their parent or so like things like that are different so uh dear sweet peace about it's about a fat girl um and it's it's different than dumplin in that it's not like about bodies in the same way dumplin is um i feel like i i feel like i had to write dumplin um honestly from a career standpoint and from like a personal standpoint to get to the point where I could just write books about fat people where they were just fat people and it didn't require explanation and it didn't require them to be like radical in any way. It was just them living their lives. I feel like Dumplin was like shedding a skin in some way for not just you, but I just think for the audience as well. Because I I haven't, again, I haven't read anything. There's not a lot out there, yeah. That was like that before. That made me just feel like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about, that's what the whole body positive movement, like just starting to talk to people and realizing. I posted a meme the other day I saw that um, I posted on my Instagram story where it was like, there was like fat people, well, I said fat girls, I added and boys because <laughs> I'm a boy. Uh-huh. Um, but I wrote, it's like fat girls and boys fear nothing in the world but this chair. And it was that plastic outdoor chair that every <gasps> yeah. single one of us has snapped right. the legs off of yes. at one point. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize, it's like, it's fabulous. We have such 
unbelievably common experiences right. but we were conditioned our whole lives never to talk about it right. and it wasn't until these last couple of years when like on social media and the whole like body positive fat acceptance movement kind of like ramped up yeah. that now we are talking about this yeah. when I saw that meme I was just like I fucking hated that it's I broke so that chair true. so, many, so times. many times or like the the folding chair that like your grandparents had like the outdoor folding chair oh with was, like, like the um, it was almost like, like plaid ribbons. it was like, like yeah, plaid yeah. plaid like fiberglass ribbons put together Why? which I've busted through why would you do that or you want to know what it's real bad now that i work like in media and like publicity is fucking director's chairs oh my god like i I mean it's not so bad for like people who are more narrow in the hips but if you have hips like just look at it and laugh and move on no like because every time you go to like a like do fancy talk they're like here's a director's chair and i'm like i don't give a shit about your director's chair just give me a chair i know i know (laughs) for me i'm like i I can get in a director's chair but i cannot move once i'm in there i was like everything has to stay completely still because if i shift in any way shape or form one of these tiny pieces of wood is given way yeah no one no one breathe Uh, there's this there's a specific book festival that like they have like very specific director's chairs that they use for all their events and they're like you know like you know branded and everything and i remember one year it was a girl wasn't there but a woman fell through the director's chair and she's like this little thin woman and it was hilarious and she posted a picture of it and everybody laughed i was like would you like where's the joke when the fat person falls through do you know what I mean like that's no, not it's, it's it not the like, worst yeah it's not like oh I'm so cute and dainty I just broke this chair I it's think like, it's because every time a fat yeah. person breaks a chair they've confirmed everything that they've ever thought about themselves right. at that exact moment yeah it's the most embarrassing thing in it the is world. okay I have to tell you this story then I was signing copies of Dumplin' actually uh-huh. at a book festival and I was in like a high school gymnasium signing copies of this book and they had us sitting at like regular desks like kids desks and then the chairs they brought us were these old folding chairs that had to be from like 1962 they were like, like metal, metal frame yeah. but the seat was wooden that oh, real! It old. was so old and so I sat in this chair and I swear I was like doing squats like I like fat people have incredible calves for the most part because like we're Great holding calves. ourselves up in these chairs. Great and calves and much stronger abs than you'll think because we're all sucking it in at all times. I know. We're just all walking I'm in just like, like holding squatting. it. Like yeah. for, for something that only I notice, no one around right. me is noticing know, the millimeter I, I just gained. I know. I know. So I sit down and like I'm signing these books and I'm just like this doesn't feel right. So it doesn't feel right. My body is not obeying the laws of gravity right now. Like something is wrong and I'm signing copies of Dumplin, my book about a fat girl and slowly I begin to sink to the floor and I'm just looking up at the girl I'm signing my book for (laughs) and I just start laughing hysterically and I was like this is the most fat girl moment of my entire life oh my god (laughs) signing your book about a fat girl just going like well here it is I know and like I'm looking at like I was looking at the event coordinator who is a lovely wonderful person and I was just like what did you think when you brought me this chair? Like, do you, like, no one thought that this was going to, anyways. Oh, on set all the time they'll bring me stuff. Stools are a big thing yeah. in modeling. You always have to sit on stools. Right. The amount of times they've brought me stuff and they're like, and I'm just like, I'm going to break it. And they're like, no, you're not. I've broken, like, three stools. <laughs> just being like, because they're not even, like, real stools. They're, like, yeah. really, like, spindly and for, right. like, they're for, like, 110 pound supermodels to sit on yeah not you know to perch on yeah oh my god and the worst and there's been times where they're like can you just sit 
on the arm of this chair, and I'm like, I'm going to snap the arm off. They're like, you're not going to snap the arm. I'm like, you just wait. No, this is a wooden chair. They're like, we just want you to kind of like sit on, like just kind of lean up against the back of this chair. I was like, I can't, like, I'm going to break it. (laughs) We are going to like, it's not, it's not going to happen. I always say that if I were a supervillain, I would be the obesity epidemic. And my superpower would be like snapping chairs. Like, I'm going to come at you with this wooden leg. Yeah, yeah, been there, been there. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Julie, this has been so much fun. So much fun. I am so What a happy. better way to end it than about snapping chairs. I know, exactly. Yeah. Well, don't worry, we're going to plug stuff, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not just snapping chairs. But, it, no, I, lo- I love talking about yeah. snapping chairs because we've all had these common experiences. Yeah. We just don't ever talk about it. It's true. And as long as people are writing books like <laughs> you are, like Dumplin' and uh-huh. Puddin' and Dear Sweet Pea, we can talk about this. Yeah. And yeah. it's actually, you have no idea how cathartic it is <laughs> to hear stories that you can see yourself in. Good, like good. I'm glad. So I'm happy you wrote Dumplin' and Still got to write that Bridgeport, Connecticut fat kid book for you. Oh my God. <laughs> One if day. you can, I would be so, so Put it on happy. the Zach Miko wish list. <laughs> I would be so happy. Bridgeport is doing this weird like thing where in my head I think it's going to like start. So I don't know if you've heard. They're, they're trying to put a casino in. So like there's little part of me that's like, oh my God. I should buy real estate in Bridgeport because it doesn't cost anything because yeah. Bridgeport's terrible it's so cheap and just see if I can do that and like maybe Bridgeport will be real nice one day yeah you never know yeah MGM's trying to put a casino in there oh wow but of course this is a very Connecticut conversation yeah. again of course uh, Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods are fighting it <laughs> because well they'll lose the whole New York crowd I know, if they do that because Bridgeport's why, so much closer <laughs> so much closer wow oh, oh man oh Bridgeport Bridgeport's <laughs> the weirdest little Little town I in know. the world. Thanks for everyone who's tolerated our our Bridgeport talk. Today. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it it needed to happen. It did. Um, but Dear Sweet Pete comes out in October. October first. Yeah, it's about a girl whose parents are getting divorced, and she starts intercepting her next door neighbors mail and her next door neighbor is actually an advice columnist so she starts responding to her next door neighbor's mail that is awesome yeah it's a lot of fun oh that must be fun i can't wait to read sweet little fat girl with a cat named cheese you can't go wrong (laughs) i had a friend who had a cat named cheese yeah in bridgeport oh my gosh it all comes back to bridgeport (laughs) everything i feel like my whole life comes back to bridgeport i I feel like i'll end up living there at one point you might as well just buy the property now and retire there exactly it'll get nice it'll get do you remember okay real bridgeport thing okay do you remember the uh house in the middle of the field um (laughs) that was supposedly like some old famous baseball player (laughs) no okay so right as you're on 95 (laughs) going up to stratford there's this huge empty field right by like the ferry station Uh um and for years there was just one house that was like haunted as shit in Uh the middle of it and the story was like they tried to maybe i do know yeah because they tried to bulldoze it a couple times Uh and as they were about to bulldoze it like the bulldozer shut off and every time they tried to well now it's now it's a bass pro shop so it got bulldozed i guess it wasn't yeah. that haunted and the ghost hunter what's her face went there too warrants yeah yeah, yeah. and she just died like they literally had to delay my aunt's funeral recently because of her death in connecticut and it was at, like the same funeral home 
it, Ed and Lorraine anyways, Warren were were very important. Were, yeah, <laughs> very very important in the world. like Connecticut scene, you know. <laughs> oh right. my god! But everyone, go, dear sweet pea, out in twenty nineteen October first. Yeah. Thank you. Um, everyone, follow Julie on all the all the social medias because mm-hmm. we need to do that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is oh, I don't remember. It's and I'm Julie. And I'm Julie. I almost yeah. said it's me, Julie. But yeah. and I'm Julie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, follow her. Do all yeah. this stuff. Uh, go to, go watch Dumplin' right now on Netflix if you haven't done it. Because yeah. you fucking have to. <laughs> and this was such yeah. a delight. Thank you thank so much you. for doing thank, this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. so incredible guys that was so much fun julie thank you so much ian thank you so much i had a blast and uh we're gonna go on a double date the next time they're in the city because they're amazing people so go check out everything go buy dumpling go keep an eye out for dear sweet pea coming up go buy ramona blue and go buy pudding and go buy um side effects may vary go buy all the books because they're all absolutely incredible and keep an eye out for everything julie murphy does because she's incredible uh please follow us on social media at zach miko z-a-c-h-m-i-k-o you guys know the deal I love you all so much. And until next week, remember to go out in the world and do big things. Ah.